You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Usually my wife is the only one allowed that close to my ear. <laughs> Praise God. It goes without saying that we are thrilled to be in Africa and thrilled to be among you. But I don't come today just to chat. I come today with a word from the Lord. Back in 1999, I was conducting an African pastors conference in northern Italy. And there were African pastors from many parts of Europe that were there. And at the end of the conference, everybody was just ready to go home. And the spirit of the Lord rose up in me, and I began to prophesy. And I said, Europe cannot save itself. Europe cannot stand against the forces that are coming against it. They do not have the courage. They do not have the strength. They do not have the resolve. And I'm standing there and I'm saying, okay, so what? Now what? And then the Lord spoke and he said, I am sending mighty warriors from the continent of Africa. And he said, my people, Africa, shall set Europe free. They shall be the deliverers. This was in 1999, many years past, and I only occasionally thought of this word and, and, and just wondered how it would come to pass and, and wondered as I looked at the political landscape in Africa and read of the troubles and the heartache in Africa. And I said, Lord, how is this ever going to happen? And then this December, December 2015, sitting in front of my computer, minding my own business, <laughs> just doing my work. And I heard the spirit of the Lord. And I heard Africa. said, what? What? And I heard, Africa! Africa! I have not forgotten you. I heard, Africa! Africa! Put on your helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on your shoes of the gospel of peace. For I am about to send you. I am about to launch you. The Holy Spirit says, you are not what the world has made you out to be. He said, Africa, Africa. You have been like a chick, a newborn chick in the nest with your eyes shut and your mouth open. 
swallowing whatever the world tells you you are. Consuming the lies of the world. He said to me, ignorant men looked at the continent and called Africa the dark continent. But the Lord said, I have never called Africa the dark continent. He says, they shall be known as the light continent. For from Africa, I shall launch my people, and I shall send them to the four corners of the earth, and they shall carry with tears and with burden and with intercession. They shall carry the word of the Lord. They shall carry the word of deliverance. And the weapons of their warfare are not going to be the weapons of carnal man. For their weapons, Pastor, will be love and compassion and mercy. They will defeat the wickedness of the age with the love of God. For we have not yet discovered the love of God. We know how to fear God, but we have not learned how to love God. I heard, Africa, Africa, you shall no longer be those who receive the West and its help, for I shall send you to them. I shall send you to them. I shall launch you to them. I'm telling you, these just aren't words. I feel them deep in my spirit. And when I began to prophesy this, on my Don Norai Senior Facebook page, I just kept writing this stuff. And I'm thinking, I must be nuts. You know, I, I, I have never even been there. And I get calls from friends who said to me, Don, you got to stop posting that stuff. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? And they said, have you ever been to Africa? And I said, no. And he says, well, I have been there many times, and I'm telling you, what you are saying can't happen. What you're saying is not possible. I know those people. I know that continent. It can't happen. And I'll tell you, I was listening to him, and the Spirit of the Lord, thank you. The Spirit of the Lord rose up within me, and I said to them, that is why you could not prophesy this. Because you're looking through the eyes of mere mortal man. I am looking through the eyes of eternity. If you can't look at a continent and prophesy life, how will you ever look at a dead man and raise him up? How will you ever look at a withered arm and see it grow if you can't look at a continent and declare the word of the Lord? I heard, Africa, Africa, I have never forgotten you, but I have molded you. I have made you in the crucible of affliction. I have made you in the crucible of hard times. God says, nobody knows. I know what you have suffered. I know what you have gone through. And the Lord said, I had to do it to prepare you for this moment. Because it was those circumstances that made you for what is about to happen. For where I am about to send you.
And I looked over Africa, and I heard God saying, Take heed, O wicked in Africa, for I am against, I am against you. He said, take heed, O wicked of Africa. I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, I am against you who traffic humans for profit. I am against you, and I resist you. To take my people for your own sordid gain. And the Holy Spirit said to me, O wicked ones, I hate you robbers of the womb. And your time is short. Repent while it is still day. Because the night is coming and there will be no repentance. I'm telling you, God is about to do something through you and you. Some have to hear this. Some, some have to hear this because this is going to happen. It is like in the United States, there was when the big hurricane comes ashore, some heed the call and get out of town. Some don't. They say the storm will not come. The storm will not come. They do not hear the warning. I'm telling you, this storm is coming. Amen. This thing is going to happen, and some will hear. Some will respond. Some will hear the voice of the Lord. Thank you. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say unto me that he was going to gather those who would listen to him. He would gather those who have made a covenant with him by sacrifice. Not a covenant with words, but a covenant with sacrifice. How many of you know it is not enough just to obey God? God is not interested in your obedience. He wants you to die. He's not interested in you following the Ten Commandments religiously. He wants you to die. Paul said, I die daily. He surrendered his life. He surrendered his soul. He surrendered who he was so that he could be filled with the presence of God. My goal is, is to so disappear so that when somebody sees me, they hear my voice, they hear only the Christ. So that means anything I have in me that's not born of him has no right being there. Amen. You know, we think, be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. We think if I memorize enough scripture, that'll renew my mind. If I pray enough, it'll renew my mind. If I listen to good preaching long enough, it'll change my mind. That might help a little bit. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we put on a new mind by giving him ours. Amen. By allowing him to transfer our hatred with Amen. his love. Amen. You see, the love of God has to trump everything in us that doesn't belong to him. Amen. If your political views have more power in your life than the Christ who is within you, you won't be launched. <clears throat> he is not sending you to deliver the African culture to Europe. He is sending you to plant the kingdom of God. Amen. He is sending you to plant a beachhead for the kingdom of God. So as much as you have suffered, 
please understand my heart. As much as you have suffered, there needs to be a place of repentance. There needs to be a place of forgiveness so that the, the, the politics of what you have suffered cannot go with you. In fact, even if you don't go anywhere, let me tell you a story. This will help. You all know what this Saturn V rocket was. It was the rocket that first put men on the moon. Very interesting to understand how that launch happened. The rocket is sitting on the launch pad. And as the time of the launch got near, some of you have seen videos of it. Smoke would belch out all over the place, and you'd hear rattling and noises and all, all kinds of activity around the rocket. There was tremendous, closer and closer to the launch, there was great smoke, great smoke coming out of it, but the smoke had no power. The smoke did not launch the rocket. There was liquid nitrogen within. And whenever a man pressed a button and ignited that liquid nitrogen, that liquid nitrogen was transformed into a power that launched mankind to the moon. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you something. The only power that will launch you is the power of transformation. You can praise, you can worship, you can dance, you can sing, you can memorize Bible verses. But if you want launched, you have to let the Christ of God ignite transformation within you. And what does he ignite within me? He ignites, he ignites all the wood, hay, and stubble. He ignites all the junk that doesn't belong. I just want to shine for you, Jesus. Okay, then die. <laughs> because the fire, a fire needs fuel. And the fuel is the wood, hay, and stubble we don't like. I don't know what's the matter with me. The fire's just going out. Well, just shut up and die. Just repent. Just give him the things that you want. Give him your lust. Give him your hate. Give him your bigotry. Give him your racism. Give him the things that are anti-Christ within you. And you'll see the fire roaring. People say, my, my, doesn't he shine for Jesus? And you'll be happy that you're shining, but inside you know that you have found a new way of living. And, and the book, The Forgotten Mountain, that I just, that I just wrote, I use the term called broken repentance. It's a lifestyle of knowing who I am apart from Christ. And when, when that old Norath tries to stand up, when he comes up and tries to tell me I'm supposed to how I'm supposed to think or how I'm supposed to be offended, how I'm supposed to act, that's a nice log to throw on the fire. If I'm going to be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of the mind, i got to give him the junk in my mind that will burn. And that place of transformation is the place of launch. It is the power that will change the world. Amen. 
See, we have tried, the traditional missionaries have done it for a million years. We have done the religion thing for a million years, and what has changed? Nothing. Our nations, you, know, you may look at your country and think things aren't so hot, but I want to tell you something. Things aren't so hot in America. Things aren't so hot anywhere. Man struts around in all his ego and all his glory and all his sense of knowing what the right thing to do is, whether they be religious, political, or cultural leaders. They think and they talk according to their own human understanding, and yet the world continues its spiral downward. It is time for some to allow the Christ to ignite their hearts. Amen. It is time for the inner transformation. It is time for the power of God within you that will launch you to the nations. You want launched, die. You want launched, transform. You want launched, stop making excuses for the little things that you do that you know were wrong, but we create doctrines for them anyway so that we can get away with doing them. See, that's why the scripture says he forgives 70 times 7, because he knows the human frame. He would rather have you repenting five times a day than creating a doctrine that lets you okay in the sin that you're in. So we create doctrines to make it okay to live short of the glory of God. So the church system, the religious system, wanders in the wilderness. Wanders in the wilderness when Canaan is waiting for us. When the fullness of God is waiting for us. From the fullness of God's life is waiting to explode from us. You know, I can't think of anything sadder than to be head of an organization that people have to leave in order to find God. I can't think of anything more depressing than be wandering in the wilderness trying to find your way out and recognizing your footprints in the sand from where, when you were there a month ago. See, we spend our lives wandering in the wilderness, short of the glory of God. We're smart enough not to go back, but we don't want to pay the price to go into the fullness of God. Is it by grace? Let me explain something to you. For the children of Israel to leave Egypt, a lamb had to die. Is that right? But to leave the wilderness, you have to die. See, because to leave Egypt, we leave the bondage we hated anyway. But to leave the wilderness... We have to leave the sin that we crave. Who doesn't want out of Egypt? Easy. It's not even my blood. All you got to do is have faith. Spread the blood of the lamb and I'm out of Egypt. 
and then it's a seven-day journey to Canaan. And all of a sudden, somebody else's blood is required. Now somebody else's mind has to change. Now it's not something that God did for me. It's something God wants to do in me. He wants to transform me into the very likeness and image of God. And if you don't think that's possible in this hour and in this day, you're going to miss the very reason you were born again. Because we weren't born again to go to heaven. God doesn't give us miracles so life can be easy. He didn't heal me from a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. He didn't heal me from a wheelchair so I could go to football games. See, he saves us, he heals us, he restores us because he's going to launch us. He saves us because there's destiny on you. Because there is a deposit of his life within you that will change your world, beginning with you. So when you ask God for a miracle, it's more than just getting rid of the pain. And I'll tell you, I know what pain was. I know pain. And the miracle is not just to get rid of the pain. The miracle is to get up out of the wheelchair and go do the will of God. But we wallow in the wilderness, not sure we want to make the decisions we need to make, not sure we want to make the hard choices. So we dance a little higher, go to a few more meetings, drop a little bit more money in the offering plate, and yet deep in your spirit, you know, sacrifice and offering he has not required. But a body he has prepared. A body he has prepared. The purposes of God don't take, are done apart from human beings. I have no idea why he chose us the way he did. I just know that he did. And the life across across the Jordan River is a life that the enemy cannot abide. We can either spend our lives rebuking the devil or we can have the Christ abide within us so that the enemy runs. There was this story. Do you guys know who A.A. Allen was? Okay. I, I just, he was an old-time Pentecostal evangelist, powerful preacher. I just talked to a man who walked with him. This guy's really old. Anyway, if you think I'm old, this guy's old. Anyway, this is what he says. He says he was invited to a, a small town in Tennessee. And he preached several meetings. And the pastor said to him, tomorrow after the, oh, this was a Saturday. He says, after you get up and around, we'd like you to come to our house for lunch. So A.A. Allen says, sure, I'll be there. So uh, when he got there, all this ruckus and noise Turns out there was a demon-possessed woman upstairs. They had been working with her all night. 
all the great, most powerful prayer warriors and Holy Ghost spitters. You know what the Holy Ghost spitter is? <laughs> you can have the Holy Ghost, but whenever you spit, there is like a holy fire anointing on the spit that makes your words ten times more powerful than they were before. No, I'm totally joking. <laughs> totally joking. Anyway, so he says, I'm sorry, Mr. Allen. I, I, it's just noisy here. We've been working with this woman for 12 hours, and we just can't seem to get it free. Would you mind talking to her? A.A. Allen says, I'll take care of it. So took him upstairs. Sitting on the bed was this young woman. He walks up to her. Three seconds. Demon flies out. The girl's in her right mind. He says, I'm hungry. Let's eat. Everybody says, are you joking? Are you serious? So they went downstairs, and, you know, A.A. Allen is just like nothing happened. They're easy eating, and everybody's going. Finally, the pastor said, brother, what inspired verse did you use? What happened? What did you say? What did God anoint you with? What was, what was it that caused this demon to fly out? And A.A. Allen, he says, oh, what did you say in her ear? He says, I just went up to her and I said, this is A.A. Allen. <laughs> Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? See, it's one thing to say, I have Jesus in my heart. But it's another thing for Jesus to reign in your heart. He just doesn't want to take up residence in your house. He wants it to be his house. He redecorates when he moves in. He makes it the place. He says, Psalm 132, this is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired you for his habitation. He's going to bless you. He's going to change the curtains. He's going to redo the plumbing. He's going to put new floors down. I'm going to abundantly bless her provision. I'll satisfy her needy with bread. I'll clothe her with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. I want you to know something. Jesus is never coming to visit. He's coming to stay. Amen. And when he comes to stay, he remodels his own house. Amen. In, in America, we call, uh, when we first bought a house, it was a very inexpensive, very bad shape. Very, very bad shape. Those kinds of houses are called fixer-uppers. Okay? The term, oh, we bought it. Our first house was a fixer-upper. That means you go into it in the condition of sin, and over time you transform it into the house you want. So when Jesus came into me, I was a fixer-upper. I was a fixer-upper. He came in there, I got to change those curtains. Are you serious? 
I got to redo those walls. I got to do this. I, and, and you know what? It's foolish for the house to resist the owner of the house. Foolish. The, uh, you, you were bought with the price. I own you. You're my house now. See, people talk about the holy place and the most holy place as though it's someplace way far away. Some people think it's heaven. Some people think it's something that is away and something that's only reserved for the most holy people. But do you know, do you know where the most holy place is? You are the most holy place. You just sang about it, but do we get it? And 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 what is his throne called? Anybody know what the throne of God is called? Throne of God is called the mercy seat. Right? And guess where the what guess what the mercy seat is? Your heart. That's the mercy seat. So where does God dwell? Where does he sit? He sits in mercy. You want God to be comfortable in your house? Be a person of mercy. Be a person of compassion. Be one who gathers and doesn't scatter. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because whenever God launches... He launches a payload that's worthy of the price of the launch. You don't spend the hundreds of millions of dollars to build a Saturn V rocket and then forget to put the capsule on top. The more valuable the payload, the more money is expended on its launch. The payload you carry is the living Christ of God. That's your payload. That's the payload. And the rocket is your transformation. And the fuel is your repentance. So you have this hundreds of thousands of pounds, kilos, hundreds of thousands of kilos of rocket fuel. And it's dormant. It's sitting there. See, me and all my garbage <laughs> is hundreds of thousands of kilos of fuel. That is dormant. As soon as I surrender... Boom, the fire of God ignites that fuel. That's where the power comes from and launches the rocket. See, it's all about you. We like to sing it's all about him because if it's not about us, we're okay. Don't throw nothing at me. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Whose glory? And whose hope? 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. Whose hope and whose glory? Christ in you is Europe's hope. Christ in you is your neighbor's hope. They may not see it, but you are their hope. Christ in you is the hope of the world, not Christ in heaven. Sorry, heaven is inside of you. Christ in you is the hope of the world. Certainly, government is not the hope of the world. Certainly, secular policy isn't the hope of the world. Certainly, religion isn't the hope of the world. What is the hope of the world? The living, vibrating Christ of God, living and moving and existing in simple folk like you and me. That is the hope of the world. But this is how we spend our lives. I need some help. I need Terrence and two chairs. Is Terrence here this morning? Terrence? Terrence? Come on down! Terrence, I need your help, buddy. I need two chairs. Okay, thank you. Put them here facing this way. Okay? Thank you. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Terrence, you have a very important job this morning, sir. You're going to be God. <laughs> I need you to sit right there. Ladies and gentlemen, meet God. <laughs> we are now in the most holy place. Okay? This is the mercy seat. The mercy seat seat is just over a meter wide. Did you know that? The mercy seat is just over a meter wide. In America, we have chairs that are very comfortable, overstuffed chairs that we call love seats. And they're just over a meter wide, and there's only room for two people. The mercy seat is God's love seat. There's only room for two people, you and your Lord. Okay? This is the most holy place. This is where 99.9% .9 of believers live. We are taught from the first day that we are saved to go to heaven. We just need to see Jesus. We just need to the cling to the foot of the cross. Now, according to the music I've listened to, that might not be you. But let me explain something to you. I have just walked from the most holy place through the holy place into the outer court. Okay? This is where the first time I find Jesus and my eyes are focused. No, I focus your eyes on God. So I live my life. I'm praying, Jesus, I want to be like you. I just want to do it. I just want you. I don't want anything else. Oh, my, eye, my eyes are just on you. I don't care what happens around me. I don't care about nothing. I just want Jesus. So I, I, it doesn't matter who's in need. At the end of the day, I'm the one who needs prayer. 
I'm the one who needs help. I'm the one who needs a miracle. It, in a real sense, it is all about me getting me fixed up so I can feel good, smell good, act good, sing good, live good, and at the end of my life, go to heaven. So it's all about me. So I'm looking and I'm giving myself because I want to see Jesus. And, and before long, I find myself passing into the holy place where the candlesticks are, where the fivefold ministry is in the holy place and, and the bread of life is in the holy place. Notice there's no manna in the holy place. It's the bread of life. People who say, I get my daily manna, I don't want, I don't want any manna. I don't want somebody's daily manna. I want the bread of life. Man is in the wilderness. The bread of life. So here we are. So the priests are making the bread, and I'm, how you doing? Good. Yeah, we're trying to find Jesus, and I'm focusing on him. And then all of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, Nori, come sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus, you don't get it. I got so many. I failed you. I, I denied you. I, I messed up. I failed. Nora, come and sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So I'm there. Okay, I get up all my courage and I go up and I find myself, oh my goodness, this is God. <laughs> Here I am. I'm sitting beside God. Always wanted to be here, God. <laughs> You're pretty awesome. We're here together. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. But just like he's doing, he, he won't look at me for money. I mean, this guy won't. Terrence isn't going to look at me. Anyway, so I see the Lord's looking out. And what happens, I turn around and my jaw drops. And for the first time in my selfish life, it's not about me. It's about the teeming millions of suffering people. It's about the homeless. It's about the orphan. It's about the widow. It's about the starving. It is about those in pain and suffering, those with disease. And for the first time in my life, I understand his motivation. Guess where he lives? In me. So now guess what happens? I have his motivation. Now, every move I make, I make in you. You make me move, Jesus. You ever hear that song? Every step I take, I take in you. What's happened? Now it's not about me. Now I just, all of a sudden, I don't care what I look like, how I feel. Ev, come here a minute. God, please. So, <laughs> wait a minute. God is in me and I am in God, okay? So I hear God walks and I hear every move I make, I make in you. You make me new, Jesus. Every... Come on, get with it, God. <laughs> And then God has no hands but my hands. So he says, would you give this guy a hug? <laughs> and what happens is 
I bring God over to this young man so we can give him a hug. Every move I make, I'm making you, you know. This guy is hurting. Take him, take me to him so I can heal him. Every step I take, I take in you. Now, if I, it don't matter about me. Because now I see what he sees. I see how he sees. Thank you so much, God. You can go sit down now. Here's what happened. When Peter denied Christ, he went fishing. How many of you know when we screw up, our first inclination is to go back to what we're familiar with, right? So God, so Jesus finds Peter. He says, this is the Nora translation, okay? <laughs> Peter, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Peter said, Jesus, I, I just realized I, I just don't love you, man. I screwed up. I was I should have loved it this or whatever you went and went out and you don't know. Peter, get back in town and do the will of God. But, but God, you don't understand. I really don't love you. I should have stayed there. I should have fought. I gone to the cross for you. I should have done that. Peter, shut up. Go back into town and do the will of God. How many think they can't do the will of God because they don't live up to their own expectations? See, you will never launch yourself if you're looking at yourself. You will never be able to be launched if you see yourself. But I'm telling you, these are the days of launch. They're days of launch. They're those who are going to hear it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. If you're dying, you're flying. And I don't mean to heaven. I mean you're being launched or wherever he wants you to go. Amen. So Peter says, God, Jesus, I've told you two times already. just don't love you. So Peter, so the Lord says, Peter, let me tell you something. I know who you are. I knew who you were when I called you. I knew what you were when you were out there fishing. I knew what you were when you smelled like a fish. I knew all about you. And I know you now. But he says, your problem, Peter, is that you're trying to do my ministry. My ministry is to transform you. That's not your ministry. All you got to do is die, and I will transform you. See, Peter, while you're worried about doing my ministry, you never do your ministry. Because all you can think about is how you failed. All you can think about is what a jerk you are. All you can think about is, is what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And so whenever that happens, you're not repenting. You're just pitying yourself. So he says, I'll make a deal with you. Let me do my ministry, and, I'll do your, and you do your ministry. He said, Peter, my ministry is to change you. Your ministry is to change the world. <laughs> now you get into town and do the will of God. And he says, the day's going to come 
when you will be so surrendered to me that you will die for me. And I know that that day is not today. But I do know the work that I'm going to do in you. And I'm committed to my ministry to you. I am committed. God is committed to transform you into his image and likeness. All you have to do is surrender. If you are willing to die, if you are willing to die, he will transform you. In the meantime, go do the will of God. You do his will and let God do his. The scripture in several places talks about a lamp for his anointed. I have made a lamp for mine anointed. And our evangelical friends say, well, that was Jesus. Well, that was Jesus, but today that lamp is you. When he says, I have created a lamp for mine anointed, that's you. You carry the very flame of his presence and power, and the junk in you is what burns to give light to the world. It's like having, I know you guys have these floating, roaming blackouts. You need, you need uh, lanterns. Well, the fuel is your repentance, but the wick is the junk that burns. The wick provides the light. So here's what happens. Your light not shining so bright, turn up the wick. We used to sing in old days, in the old days we used to sing a song, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of his great love, rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. That's not the gospel you hear mostly today. I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus, so I'll attend more meetings. I want more of Jesus, so I'll memorize more Bible verses. No, I want more of Jesus, so I'll die. I'll give him more of me. I'll turn up the wick. If you are willing, you know, you can dance till you faint, but if you haven't turned up the wick, it is just fleshy religion. Listen, I'm not trying to discourage you I'm trying to tell you, I am here. I did not even know I was coming here when I prophesied this stuff back in December. The doors open. It was amazing. But I'm here to tell you, God is about to launch Africa to the nations, first to Europe. And to be launched, you need transformed. So that what you deliver is the kingdom of God. What you deliver is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What you deliver is forgiveness and compassion and mercy. What you deliver are the principles of life that have made you stable. What, what are the principles that made you stable? You know, the singing and the worship and the preaching keeps your heart soft, but it is the principles that are laid inside of you that make you able to stand the way you stand. You know, those are kingdom principles. When you go to the nations, they just don't need to be able to speak in tongues. They need 
kingdom principles. They want to know, how come mom and dad live together? How come you got three kids? How come you got your own house? Did the government give that to you? No, I worked hard for it. No, I sacrificed. You understand what I'm saying? The, the very principles of the kingdom is what changes the world. And that's what he is about to launch. And that's who you are. These next several years are going to be exciting. They're going to be powerful because his spirit broods over this continent. And he's looking for people who will be caught up with him. Who will surrender to the transforming power of the inner Christ of God, the King. That he might change us so we might go and do the will of God. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.